Person opens credit card statement. Person checks expenses. Person wonders, how the heck did I spend this much on Amazon this month? This time on Poll Hub, a deep look at how Americans shop online and with whom. Our poll with NPR has some really surprising findings, and we'll talk with NPR's chief business editor, Pallavi Gagoy, about it. And primaries in California, Iowa, and elsewhere seem to give continued credence to the idea that Democrats are ascendant going into the midterms, but is that real? CNN's polling superstar analyst and one of our great favorites here, Harry Enten, is joining us. So let's get started. And hi, everybody. This is Poll Hub. I'm J.D. Dapper, Director of Innovation here at the Marist Poll. I'm Barbara Carvalho, Director of the Marist Poll. And I'm Lee Mergoff, Director of the Marist College Institute for Public Opinion. And we are delighted to have with us Harry Enten, who formerly of 538 and now with CNN, and you're watching him do his analysis of primaries and all things electional. So we're very happy to have him. Electional. Hey, making up a word. I'm making up words. So anyway... (laughs) Tell us about some of these primaries and, and, and the recent ones, and also your general sense of, you know, are things flipping as much as some yeah, people are saying? Yeah, what's this blue wave? Is it real? Well, well you know, I, I'm not one who goes to the beach very frequently, and I prefer winter weather, so I prefer to talk in blizzards and, you know, freezing <laughs> rain if we're going to make weather analogies. I, look, I don't I, – I, I think it's pretty clear that this is going to be a good Democratic year. That, that much we know from the polling, that much we know from the special elections, that much we know from the turnout – The question is whether or not it's a good enough Democratic year for Democrats to take control of the House, let alone the United States Senate. And I think we're still very unclear on that. And the primary results so far haven't necessarily indicated one way or another. But I think that there are other stories about each of the individual parties that we can get into um, that we can be told from the primaries that are far more interesting than about what it tells us about November. So what do you so what do we know? I, I think the first thing we know is that on the Democratic side, Democratic voters want to nominate women candidates. If, for example, we look at all of the open seat races where there are no Democratic incumbents that are running and there was at least one man facing off against one woman, in the Democratic primaries we see that the woman a woman candidate has won seventy percent of the time. That is mm, insane. Wow. That wow. is something that we've never really seen before. And it's even more than that, right? They're outperforming their polling numbers. For example, um, in Iowa's third district, Sydney Axney was a candidate who was trailing by a point in the last Des Moines Register poll. We know the Des Moines Register poll is good a very poll. reputable Absolutely. poll, a very, very good poll. And what ends up happening, Sydney Axney, who is trailing by a point, wins the election, wins the primary by 30 percentage points. And we've seen that in other races as well. So it's very clear that there's a lot of enthusiasm for women candidates. And I think that is a direct in direct relationship to how Democratic voters feel about Donald Trump. And they want to put women up on the ballot. There was also the concern, at least among Democrats, that California, because of its kind of um, unusual uh, system of counting votes, where the first two cross the line, um, then move on to the to the general election, which means you could have two Democrats or two Republicans or two you know Green Party uh, candidates, whatever you want to say, um, that that this could actually hurt the Democrats. They kind of dodged a bullet in California, it looks like, and uh, have basically gotten they're in every race, and they've got in many cases women <laughs> in the races they want to be in, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, uh, this was one of the big questions was whether or not there were there are seven congressional districts in California that Republicans hold, but that Hillary Clinton won in 2016. And in those seven, there were three in particular, the 39th, the 48th and the 49th, 
where there was a thought that the Democrats might split the vote and might get shut out in November. As it turns out, as the votes are still being counted, it does not seem that the Democrats were shut out in any of those races. So California is going to be ground zero, along with, I think, New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania for places where Democrats look to pick up the vast majority of the seats that they need to get the net 23 to gain a majority. So if, uh, if you were my uh, polling methodological consultant here, uh, would you put enthusiasm into your likely voter model? Oh, that is such a great question. You know, I, I, I go back to an old line, which is that an enthusiastic voter uh, who casts a vote is worth the same as an unenthusiastic voter <laughs> who casts a ballot. Well, we saw that um, in Obama's and, reelection uh, in, in 2012 when that was the case, because exactly they weren't right. as enthusiastic and it didn't matter. It, it, it didn't matter. I think that there are other questions that you can get at. You know, are you, you know, the old questions, are you certainly going to vote? You know, you're building some sort of likely voter model. The one thing I most certainly advise against is you should not take the 2014 turnout model and apply that to 2018 because it's a completely different game when you have a Democratic president versus a Republican president in the White House. And we know that from going back to midterm since 1978, when there's a Democratic president, Republicans turn out in much higher numbers uh, relative to Democrats. When there is a uh, when there's a Republican president, Democrats turn out in much higher numbers than Republicans relative to when they're Democratic presidents and when they're Republican presidents. Uh, you, you get the you get the point that I'm saying. Essentially, when there's a Republican president, Democrats turn out in much higher numbers than when there's a Democratic. Okay, president. and then so I can sleep better at night. Uh, we're going to be doing lots of polling, and you know we're you know again we're right back. Uh, Thank God. Everybody. Thank no, you. he doesn't really polls. sleep well yeah. at night. <laughs> I don't we, sleep well every, either. Every every day in the office, we hear about how he doesn't sleep well at night. Yes, yes, I, a little. Lee and I are kindred regard. spirits. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, so here we're going to do all this polling. We're measuring voters. Maybe we measure likely voters. In the back of my mind, we're coming through a period where it seems from every source that Russia may have meddled in our elections. Um, if that were to recur, given that there hasn't been a whole lot in Congress about stopping that again, um, if that were to recur, could the polls be right and yet look wrong? I think I mean, that's sure, a real pollster no, spin to, to tell you the truth. I, like, Harry, please go I, ahead. I, 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 and and uh, I, yeah, I would just say there's there there's no real proof that the Russian meddling in the elections certainly changed vote counts, and I I, I would certainly be cautious in over-interpreting what exactly Russian influence had in our 2016 election. Now, obviously, if they come in and something wacky happens, then yes, Lee, we may excuse some of the bad polls that you do. Um, <laughs> but I think you guys do Touché. good polls. We, we do control the editing, so thank God for that. <laughs> thank thank God for that. Um, you know, some some days I wake up whether or not wondering whether I'm an atheist or an agnostic, but when I find out I control the editing, I lean more towards the agnosticism. In any event... Um, the, the the point is that I'm not too worried for pollsters on Russia. I'm much more worried on other factors. Correctly judging Turner, I think, is the biggest question going into this midterm election. But I should point out that in the special election polling, you know, in the House special election so far, as well as in the Senate special election in Alabama, as well as the two gubernatorial elections in Virginia and in New Jersey, the polling has been about as good as you would expect it to be. So I'm not looking for a big polling error in 2018. But you know what? We're going to have to wait and see. We just don't know. Yeah, I think that's, you know, certainly an appropriate ending to this discussion, but one that we must continue uh, perhaps over a Chinese meal in New York City after our next podcast.
Thank you, Harry. Thank you. So I'm delighted because today, Pallavi Gagoy, Chief Business Editor for NPR, is joining us to talk about a latest poll that we have done with our NPR Marist Poll Partnership on the digital economy. Welcome, Pallavi. Hi, Barbara. It's it's great for you to join us today. Uh, we just partnered to do a poll on the digital economy, which I think is kind of an upscale way of, of talking about online shopping. So I know we, um, we came up with some kind of crazy ideas about how to go about finding out what Americans uh, do, how many of us are actually shopping online. How did you guys come up with the idea to, to measure this? So as with anything that we look at, I mean, it's it's curiosity that drives us as a news organization to find out, you know, we have a lot of questions on all kinds of things. America, as a lot of people know, is a nation of shoppers. Two thirds of um, the world's largest economy, which is America, depends on consumers, consumer spending. So um, we wanted to understand, you know, in conducting the poll with you guys, we wanted to analyze what exactly are the shopping habits of the nation. We know that the nation is logging on and buying things online. We want to understand where are Americans shopping, what attracts them to online shopping, what they buy, and where they buy. I mean, those were kind of the driving questions off the poll. And we actually found some kind of groundbreaking um, results. Uh, we found that 69% of Americans have actually purchased an item online, including 43% of those who are actually regular online shoppers. And regular online shoppers mean that they actually purchase something online at least once a month. Um, you know, we, we had a lot of fun discussing um, the questionnaire. And I, when, we, when we were talking with your team and our team about what questions we should ask, we were all talking about our different experiences um, on online. Yep. Um, on online yep. I was wondering, Barb, if you, if you could go into a little discussion with Pallavi about how this process unfolded in terms of the topic development, because I think that would be interesting because, you know, this is a partnership. And, uh, and it would be interesting to see how it you know, unfolds. I think we all had a lot of fun because all of us shop on, on many levels, right? All of us go online. We shop on Amazon. I think when we were discussing the questions as to what exactly are going to be the, you know, the question that we're going to ask um, the folks that you're going to survey, we had a lot of fun because we all talked about our own shopping habits. And while this was driven by curiosity, I think um, we all discovered all kinds of really fun things about each other. What um, what surprised you the most from the results? You know, it's really funny because the the bigger, broader point that we came up with, which is, you know, what what Americans told us about online shopping is they basically said that they go to Amazon for shopping. That was not a surprise, but the number, like 92% of online shoppers Shopping Amazon. Yeah, that was, I, I thought that say. was amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was actually more surprised that four in ten are Prime users because Prime is an expensive service for a lot of folks. I mean, it, it costs uh, over a hundred dollars a year now. They've raised the price, and sure, you get a lot of things. You know, you get video and all, all these other things. But I always thought of that as kind of the, you know, the premium price thing that lots of people used Amazon, but it would be a very small or fairly small number of people who use Prime. Did that surprise you that that there were that many people who were that bought into Amazon's ecosystem? 
You know, I have to say that when um, Jeff Bezos, the founder, came up with the idea of like charging people a yearly fee uh, that he's going to charge, you know, people who shop on Amazon um, and basically offer them free shopping, uh, free shipping. Um, everybody on Wall Street basically laughed, him, laughed at him and people were really sh like surprised and they basically thought that that was a really bad idea. But guess what? It was. It basically got a <laughs> he's, lot. He's of been people. laughing all the way to the bank. Yeah. Oh, no. Also, they've changed mm -hmm. it a little bit too, because you can have a monthly Prime uh, subscription now, I believe, as well. Mm -hmm. And I know that's extremely popular during the holidays when people know that they're going to uh, shop online quite a bit. I mean, the the what the poll showed to me was, you know, that we have a company, and we kind of knew this too, but. It kind of, you know, sealed it for me as to a company that has enormous power. I mean, I know from being the business editor that any time Amazon touches anything, even the whiff of like a company, an industry that Amazon is going to enter, that sends stocks of all of those companies going down because they know that Amazon is such a formidable competitor. I mean, you know, this is something that I put in the press release is like, you know, what Jeff Bezos has created is this enterprise that reminds me of the likes of, like, you know, John Rockefeller and Bill Gates. I mean, these are people who, at their height, were the most influential, were the heads of the most influential, influential companies of their time. And that is kind of where Jeff Bezos is. It's kind and of he, funny. We were talking, as a business editor, you remember this. It wasn't that long ago that we were talking about Walmart being a dangerously large company that was putting all of Main Street businesses out of business. It was too big, it was too mm -hmm. powerful. And now Walmart is kind of a distant second to Amazon in this, um, you know, in this new world. Right, I mean, Walmart is still the largest retailer, but in, in the online world, in the online shopping universe, Amazon is really the king. I mean, it, it wields so much influence and it's, it's kind of um, really mind-blowing, really. It's a real paradigm shift in the whole and I think what I, what I found very interesting was we asked people how much trust they placed in Amazon to protect uh, you know, their, their online data, their personal information, their credit card information. And I was completely blown away by the fact that 67% of um, shoppers said that they trusted Amazon to maintain their privacy and to to maintain to, to maintain their their data and the majority of uh, folks actually do not trust online retailers with that data but on the other hand for Amazon they seem almost untouchable that uh, people actually have this kind of confidence it's it was very striking to me because we do a lot of polling in the political world as well. And I think any institution, um, either political, religious, <laughs> educational, um, would, would really be excited to have numbers like that. Right. I mean, you had mentioned that even among companies, I think you weren't you also part of the other poll which uh, looked at technology companies like Facebook. I believe the numbers were much lower. Oh, Facebook's, <laughs> Facebook's numbers, especially after the 2016 debacle, uh, their their trust level is at 12 percent. That's one two, as opposed to six seven. Wow, yeah. that is pretty amazing. I mean, that's the reason why people keep going back to Amazon for shopping. And and, and for folks who did not hear um, this morning's uh, report by Alina Saluk, she starts the story by talking about. 
you know, this meeting that occurred in December of last year in the lobby of her apartment building, you know, where, you know, the residents had gathered to basically discuss what were they going to do about the swarms of packages that were jamming their <laughs> lobby closet. And they were overflowing into their entryway. And they were like, this is ridiculous. We need to do something. And so they were they basically decided that they needed to take a decision. And on that day, they decided that, you know what? Yes, we are going to redesign our lobby. We're going to create a new package room. And the way Alina Saluk presented it, she said, this is a picture of America physically adjusting itself to the success of Amazon.com. And I was like, wow, that truly is something. I think of of Fresh Direct in in New York City, too. And for for folks who listen to us who don't live in New York City, Fresh Direct is a a grocery delivery service. But if you live in, in Manhattan... You either walk to a grocery store and, sh- and, and schlep your bags home or you get grocery delivery. Fresh Direct does that. And, and buildings have started to offer cold rooms. It started in the last maybe 10 years and refrigerators in the, in the lobbies. And this seems like a, a, another extension of that. It's not just a shift in the economy that involves just online shopping, but kind of an, a shift that moves so many things, including like Uber and self-driving cars and all that. Mm-hmm. But, and, and Fresh Direct delivering groceries. It just seems like there's a huge shift going on and sometimes you don't realize you're in it until it's over but I think in this case this poll especially helps illuminate the fact that we're in the midst of of a shift that that the business textbooks will be writing about for decades to come was there anything that Amazon wasn't good at I think the one thing that we found that they were not really good at was clothes and shoes and um I believe the poll found that a large, the largest purchase among people who shop online is actually clothes and shoes. Yes, most people go online to, to purchase that. Right, to except... Those, purchase those items. Right, but those same people, when they go online to buy clothes and shoes, only a fifth of them go to Amazon. I mean, that to me was a surprise in the sense that, uh, you know, the broader number that most people do buy clothes and shoes online and the fact that they don't go to Amazon... I will tell you that we are doing a story which hasn't aired yet, which looks at this. And one of the things that we found was that Amazon itself as a brand is probably not something that people equate with fashion, right? I mean, you think about clothes, that's what you you think about clothes (laughs) and fashion and and shoes. (laughs) You know, it's fashion, right? But the thing is, Amazon also seems to be very aware of this. And I'll give away something (laughs) that I think is going to air tomorrow so that, you know, so you guys will be okay when this, uh, when the podcast airs is that Amazon is clearly aware of this, and that's the reason why they bought Zappos. Oh, right. interesting. Yeah. And, and also they have the, the marketing of their try before you buy, um, which is also very enticing, something that's uh, probably at the level of free shipping. <laughs> does, does, yes. the, does that explain yes. why they haven't integrated Zappos? Because it's always been curious to me that, that Zappos... Because I have a family member who spends as much on Zappos as they do on Amazon, which in both cases is too much. Uh, And uh, full disclosure. But I've always been interested that they've done – there's nothing about Zappos that the the casual visitor would see that would help them understand that it's actually owned by Amazon. Is that on purpose? I I think so. I mean, it's a brand. Zappos is a – you know, it's a really well-known place for people to go and buy shoes. And I think – so Zappos is one of the companies, and they're, I think Amazon is really trying to also, you know, break into even apparel. Um, I believe they have at least three or four, like, brands that they've either created or bought, and they're really trying to get into this. I mean, I, and I think in each of those cases, I think they're going to keep them 
separate from Amazon. Mm-hmm. People do go to Amazon to buy basics, though. And we did find research that showed that a lot of people buy their basics, like the kinds of things like socks, on Amazon. So it's such a strong brand that they'd rather have these other names continue, like Zappos, because they are also a strong brand, and they Especially, don't want to. Yes, when it comes to shoes, they don't want to try to switch the marketing of it because they already, by buying it, can get that market too. Just right. you know, one other thought too, um, because it, Amazon has really become really the digital marketplace for shopping. Um, so it's it's not just the Amazon brand, but it's really where brands go and and companies go to sell to sell their products. It's, it's the new mall, basically. It, it mm-hmm. is absolutely. Um, just from your business perspective, do you think they are at risk um, of uh, of having some problems with being a monopoly? I mean, so the monopoly question is something that you know that Alina also looked at very closely. There are not a lot of people who look at. Um, Amazon and, and you know they clearly clearly realize that this is a company that powers and towers over all on on when it comes to online shopping but if you if you look at antitrust law i mean a lot of it is about protecting consumers right it's all about it does this hurt the consumer and at this point at least that there doesn't seem to be that clear. I mean, you know, you can see from the poll that we started the poll by, you know, your conversation by talking about how many people trust Amazon. Consumers clearly love Amazon. However, um, we talked to a person called Lina Khan. She is, she works at um, a think tank. She studied Amazon very closely. She's a legal scholar. She talks about sort of, you know, it's not just the consumer that you, you need to look at. You need to look at other businesses and other competitors of Amazon. Um, who obviously employ a lot of people too. Um, and when you look at the power that Amazon has on the people who sell on Amazon, on the people who supply to Amazon, you kind of see that Amazon has a huge power over them, which is something that, you know, is, you know, something that she looks at closely and probably will come up in the future at some point. That's like uh, pricing. Yeah. That's talking about like pricing power and being able to drive yep. down costs because Absolutely. you're not going to be on Amazon if you don't sell for this. Yes, it's yeah. very much kind of the stories that were coming out about Walmart, you know, about, you know, 15 Right, yeah, same so, thing. Right? Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very similar. I don't know. I feel a little left out of this because I myself am not an online shopper. People have purchased online things on my behalf, but I'm mm-hmm. sort of like the Luddite. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's let me, about let me, 5%. Let me just ask you a question here. On your visa statement, is there an Amazon line every month? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. And, and, well, you mention and it? while you haven't been shopping on Amazon, has someone in your family say I, done it's, so? It's Zappos as well. <laughs> so uh, I think I have the same issue that you have raised earlier. Um, yeah, what, I, I'd like to add just one thing, though, is that uh, you know, we do so much election stuff and approval rating and horse races. I think as the Maris poll, we're particularly happy and thrilled, really, to have this partnership because it allows us to work with experts in another industry, in this case business, uh, and, and, and try to use our technology to enlighten in another topic area. So this has been great from our vantage point. Yes, we've always appreciated working with you and your team, Pallavi. Thank you very much for joining us today. We appreciate your insights. It's a pleasure, Barbara. In fact, this is very, very helpful to obviously the research and and, reporting uh, that we do at NPR. So thank you. 
And that'll do it for this edition of Poll Hub. Poll Hub is a production of the Marist Poll at Marist College in Poughkeepsie, New York. Our executive producer, as always, Mary Griffith, thank you for all that you do for us. And we also depend a lot on the Roper Center Archives at Cornell University. I'm a member of the board. We're going to have our annual meeting real soon. And we're doing really well at the Roper Center. And we're, it's very helpful in putting together the trend data for this podcast, too. Barb? And if you have a question that you would like us to answer, you can email us directly at pollhub at maris.edu. Or check us out and you know give us a holler on social media. We're at Maris Poll on Twitter. Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, pretty much any platform. And wherever you're listening to this, please don't forget to subscribe.